0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: Welcome to Political Pursuits, the podcast. I'm your host, Lou Ann Anderson, and I've got to say that I am so excited to have you here with me today. Before we get started, first thing I want to do is just explain a little bit about Political Pursuits, the podcast. Basically, we are looking to be a curator of political news and current events, but do it with an eye, not just for who is making certain moves, but also for what these moves mean, why they matter, and how opponents may react. For better or worse, all of these characteristics, they're trackable. We can watch and see. They're in complete evidence here with regard to the gamesmanship seen in today's political landscape. It's sad that today, with our current state of affairs, that sometimes the gamesmanship is becoming even more evident and more tragic. But anyway, we hope that you're going to stick with us here at Political Pursuits as we offer our bent on how today's issues are impacted in this game-playing environment. I also just along the way want to say that this has kind of been a crazy journey, me even getting into these types of endeavors. Going back 15 or so years ago when I was working with the Lynn Woolley Show, Logic Nation, have enjoyed over time hanging out with my friend Con Tatum doing Common Sense with Con. One of the greatest advantages, benefits of doing this has been getting to know so many great people along the way. Folks like you who are listening to this today, we're people who share concerns for what's happening in our country, in the world, but at the same time, we also share. Aspirations for this nation, for our state. We want conditions that will allow us, our families, our fellow citizens to thrive and prosper. So while political pursuits is going to look at the ugly side of things, we also want to always come at it with and what can we do to make the situation better? How can we help impact and perhaps inspire others to move forward in a more positive manner so that we can make this country of ours a, a wonderful place to live all right you know it's funny when i first started this it was like okay boy this election season's going to offer so much to talk about and won't this be incredible that all changed a few weeks ago and now this virus is definitely the thing that is front and center And it should be, it needs to be. As of today, worldwide, we have 340,000 confirmed cases, nearly 15,000 deaths. That's per Johns Hopkins University. In the U.S., we are now up over 35,000, 35,224 cases with 444 deaths. President Trump has ordered FEMA to supply New York, California, and Washington with hospital beds, masks, surgical gowns, respirators. Here we're having um, Senator Rand Paul has been tested um, as being positive with the virus earlier today. It also uh, sounds like that Amy Klobuchar's husband is hospitalized with the virus. Things are now, as this spreads throughout the world, we've even got things, um, so many people are on lockdown. We've got um the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games that are likely going to be postponed if not if not completely canceled. Here in the US, we're now up to 12 states that are on some type of lockdown. That includes Oregon and California, Louisiana, Illinois, Michigan was one of the last ones just this morning to do that, as well as Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. So these are places that are on, have statewide lockdowns. Meanwhile, here in Texas, while Governor Abbott has not elected to go statewide, we are starting to see Dallas County over the weekend is the first county to put their residents on some type of, of lockdown. And then also... This morning, we've learned that the city of Waco has also followed suit with that, with the McLennan County commissioners meeting later this afternoon to possibly extend this um, shelter-in-place order countywide. So lots of things are happening with this. And, I mean, the the main thing is that people need to take this seriously. It's mind-boggling, some of the things you see on TV about the beaches down in Florida, even our own Texas beaches here, people in... King County, Washington, the epicenter of Washington State, one of the three biggest hotspots in this country. There's people out there having basketball games playing with each other. So if people, I've got mixed emotions on this whole lockdown thing because there's a side of me that says let me police myself because I know I'll, I know I'll take it seriously. I know I can do it and I don't need government to tell me don't be a dumb you-know-what But obviously we see that there's not everybody has that. So, you know, if you've got a death wish and you want to go out and do something, what you do to yourself is one thing. But don't go imposing your death wish on other people. And right now, not taking this virus seriously is exactly what that kind of irresponsible behavior is fomenting. Um, One other thing that I want to say, something that's disturbed me over the weekend, is we've kept hearing that, oh, the people that are at risk. It's uh, mainly the elderly, especially the elderly with underlying conditions or anyone else, adults who have underlying conditions. At first, we were hearing that even younger adults didn't seem to be so susceptible. Well, that's going away. I also want to make note of the fact that we have had three cases that I've just randomly come across in the media three cases of babies now being diagnosed. There was a seven-month-old in South Carolina that's been diagnosed. There was a one-month-old in Macomb County, Michigan. And then this morning, I just saw that um, in the New York Post, there was an article about some gal, her last name is Gilman. I wasn't familiar with her. I guess she is the founder of some wing organization, which is like a women's-only organization or something. But she has a child under the age of one who also has tested positive so beware on that just that we are now seeing that age is not is not a a factor that particularly puts you less at risk it can be happening to most any age now we're hearing lots and lots of stories uh disturbing things about how especially like in new york which is considered the epicenter here in the u.s that they're having shortages of materials, and we certainly hope that that's going to be rectified here soon. I've got one story to tell you about that. That's actually kind of disturbing. However, news this morning uh, just recently saw the um, the defense secretary on talking about how that New York was going to be getting all sorts of new resources the the protective gear, masks things that they need, gowns, it's going to be coming up here. Um, They're going to be getting those within the next couple of days. But something else, too, that has been kind of exciting is that New York is getting ready to start drug drug trials. President Trump is sending hydrochloroquine and zithromycin to New York City so that they can start treating people. Now, if you'll remember, these are the the, uh, drugs that have been used to treat malaria in the past, but it's been found there was a a university of Utah has had some researchers working on this along with a number of other people over the world. And um, they're saying that they have seen some some evidence that these two drugs administered together actually can help to treat the COVID virus. Uh, there was also a study in France that was published not too long ago that has um additionally given reason to believe that this is something that would that would help, and so this is something we 're going to be watching i mean as of Sunday morning, the number of cases in New York was fifteen thousand and fifty three percent of the cases were eighteen to forty nine years of age, which again that 's different different from what we first were hearing. Fifty thousand new tests have been administered. Forty eight hundred new cases had been confirmed. Seventy um, percent of the deaths so far were seventy years and older, and so, or, and they had the majority had underlying health conditions. So there's a lot of stuff going on here, but hopefully this um, this new these new drugs going in there can help to to give us some more information because it's information that's going to help us to get this thing under control and it's also important to realize too that the shelter in place is so important it's so important in an area like this because of the dense living conditions in which people have here in texas we're very blessed because even in a city like a dallas or a houston Yes, they have far more dense populations than many other parts of the state, but even those cities do not have the kind of density that you have in a New York, in an L.A., in a Chicago. And so um, density definitely is is one of the issues that we're going to see makes this a, a tougher nut to crack. So that's that. Something else, too. That's kind of um, interesting is that and we have been warned, the president, the surgeon general, Dr. Fauci, all of these people have warned us that as more tests become available, the numbers of infected are going to spike strictly from a statistical standpoint that we're identifying who these people are. There's an interesting article uh, last week from the Wall Street Journal, and he was talking about... Um, this professor from a USC Center for Health Policy and Economics, he's talking about how that it's dangerous when the, as these tests become available to only test the sick, that random sampling is essential to learn the truth about the virus spread and its deadliness. All of these tests are becoming available, but they have been saying that uh, to a large degree the testing was going to be limited to people who believe they are infected, we don't want everybody taking this test the president said it's totally unnecessary. And what this professor argues is that that would make perfect sense if there were a cure. But without one, the strategy won't curtail either the epidemic or the anxiety associated with it. We'll continue to bleed billions of dollars in economic costs from the normal from the disruption of our normal lives. Testing Mr. Sud says, has uh, two different purposes apart from diagnosing individual cases. The first is to obtain accurate information on the virus's infectivity and mortality rates. If the true rates for the coronavirus are similar to those of the flu, then it really isn't necessary to shut down the global economy and lose trillions of dollars. But if they're much higher, then these drastic measures are imperative. So that's one of the things that hopefully we're going to be learning, um, that, and he says that the way to learn the truth is to test a random sample of population in major cities with an outbreak. Random testing better reveals the true mortality rate and also how many people have the virus, an important factor in determining its infectivity. The second pur- purpose of testing is to avert spread by isolating those who are infected. In this regard, it's unclear that relying exclusively on people who are volunteering for the tests makes sense because you got to figure that these are generally going to be the people who are already exhibiting symptoms and they're listening to the public health messages to isolate themselves at home. A study of flu vaccine strategies show that self-selection doesn't get at the highest risk populations. So these are people that are mindful of it, but there's a whole other segment of the population that's engaging in high-risk activity, and they're not, that's the point, they're not engaged. They're out there, maybe they've self-isolated at home, but very well, they may not have. And so what you want to do is go to combine these drive-through tests with targeted testing of high-risk populations to try to catch people who are unwittingly spreading the virus. That way you can identify those people, isolate them as well, and find out as you are doing this random testing, find out how many of these cases seem to be in in a random sampling to get an idea of how big a problem this might could be. So anyway, this is an interesting thing. And let me tell you, as I go through and talking about some of these articles, please know that I'm going to be posting links to a lot of these articles on our social media. In regards to this podcast, you're going to be able to find us on the most popular platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But also on Facebook, please, I invite you to, to like us. To go there often to Political Pursuits, the podcast. That's at Political P Suits on Facebook, same address on Twitter. And if you got something that you want to email us, address is pod at gmail.com. And again, all of these articles are going to be up on, on these sites so that you can go and drill down a little further with that. Okay, let's go to China. China, China, China. President's been getting some flack here lately because he keeps calling this the Chinese virus. Well, as I talk about China, I'm going to use a number of articles from a publication called the Epic Times. Now, a couple of things to tell you about the Epic Times. Number one, I do some freelance work for their marketing department um, on a fairly regular basis. So, I do have an association with them. But to me, one of the greatest advantages of doing that has been the opportunity to get to better know this publication. They've got an interesting history. The principals of this publication are all Chinese immigrants. Most of them came here in the early 90s, not long after.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: They got here, they came here, they came here to be engineers, to accountants, entrepreneurs. But as they started living their lives here, they started seeing what scared them, what concerned them, because the grasp of the Chinese Communist Party that they thought they were getting away from and coming to America, they weren't nearly so out of reach as they hoped to be. They have long maintained that China is an insidious threat to the United Nations, to the, the world, to the United States, as well as other countries. And so because they have a number of these principals who are Chinese, they have reporters there on the ground. Now, just, you know, FYI, the Chinese government hates these people. They want them to go away, and in fact, they have had aggressive campaigns trying to get them shut down. But instead, this website publishes in 20-plus languages. It's distributed and seen all over the world. Plus, they've got this wonderful hard copy paper that comes out once a month. I started watching this story back well early in January because of this publication. They have been out front on this all Along the way. And so, again, I am relying on a lot of things that they're saying, but they're reporting things that, yeah, you'll eventually hear in the other media sources here, but most of the time you're hearing it from these guys first. And one of the things is that they were some of the first ones to say that Beijing's claim of no new infections absolutely contradicts the reality that they're hearing on the ground. That they are hearing that. that, like in Wuhan, one of the 46 designated facilities to treat the COVID-19, there are people lining up even now in front of that, what they're call, they are call a fever clinic. That there's, they've got pictures that have been sent in. That, you know, you have 30 or more people waiting in line, keeping a safe distance from each other. There's a hospital security guard there dressed in the protective suit and wearing the N95 mask. And those waiting in line have masks. Some of them are dressed in surgical gowns or plastic raincoats, which is what was worn by a lot of people during the initial outbreak as people sought to protect themselves just with anything that, that might possibly help. And you're having reports from people who um, that they have problems. Some of them may be symptoms of the virus. Others or could be other symptoms, but they're not even allowing people to come in and diagnose diagnose potentially unrelated illnesses or conditions because the facilities are full of virus people and even now there are videos of new makeshift hospitals that are still being set up there's one with it's within a stadium in suburban wuhan and it's just there's also a lot of of facilities set up in universities, diagnosed virus patients are being held in some of the university research facilities, they're being held there in quarantine. And so it's just, this isn't going away. The outbreak, you know, one person told the the Epoch Times, if the outbreak isn't critical, the government would allow us to return to work. Now all the roads are still blocked and businesses have not resumed production in Wuhan. So things are not, they're putting a rosy picture on this, but things are not what they um, are trying to say that they have. And they haven't been forthcoming. Absolutely, they haven't been forthcoming. Before Wuhan went on complete lockdown, the government has tracked that tens of thousands of people in that epicenter left those areas in violation of the quarantine that was put um, on the the province of Hubei, which is Wuhan is the capital of that, dating back to January twenty third, the Epoch Times has found gotten um, some internal government documents that are daily reports that one of the one of the administration arms, the Hubei Communications Administration, it had to submit. Daily reports to Beijing. The agency monitored and recording all, all Ube residents' cell phone geolocation positions, using the data to tally the number of those who stayed in Wuhan for more than 24 hours before leaving the confines of the city. These people have not returned to Wuhan. So what you have is the Chinese government. They mandate that people have a cell phone, You. Your records are tied to this cell phone. Uh, Things that you may get services from the government are tied to this cell phone. Oh, and conveniently, the cell phone acts as a tracking device for the government. And so in the government using this means to track people, they have found that thousands, tens of thousands were leaving during the time that that shutdown was on. Some of them were leaving The Wuhan area, it's not known where a lot of them have gone. Some of them may have also left the country. If you got enough money, you can make things happen in China. And so the idea that, oh, they reacted responsibly and they got everything locked down to help contain the virus, nah, not so much. Not, not so much. Another interesting thing coming from there is that recently... In the past three months, the number of cell phone users, remember these are mandated by the government, the number of Chinese cell phone users has dropped twenty by 21 million. So when we say that the numbers being reported out of China are underreported, this is just a little fun fact that's worth noting. 21 million fewer cell phone users in China. Why is that? In China, cell phones are an indispensable part of life. The digitization level is very high, dealing with the government for pensions, Social Security, buying train tickets, shopping. No matter what people want to do, they are required to use cell phones. The Chinese regime requires all Chinese to use their cell phones to generate a health code. Only with a green health code are Chinese allowed to move in China. It's impossible for a person to cancel his cell phone. China introduced mandatory facial scans on December 1, 2019, to confirm the identity of the person who registered the phone. As early as September 1, 2010, China required all cell phone users to register phones with their real identification by which the state can control people's, search, people's speech via its large-scale monitoring system. So the idea that the government is so embedded with the three major cell phone companies in China and that now all of a sudden these numbers are going down and each of these three companies have all seen decreases. And so this is very, very, very concerning that 21 fewer cell phone users, well, even if what? It was... Five percent of that. You're still talking about a number that is far greater than what the Chinese government has reported as their death rates due to this virus. Incidentally, the Epoch Times refers to this, you know, the president's got, you know, racist xenophobe because he's called it the the Chinese virus. The Epoch Times calls it the Chinese Communist Party virus. I kind of shorten it just to the CCPV. It is. the. It's not the Chinese people at large. It's not their fault that this has happened. It is the Chinese Communist Party, and that should not be forgotten. A couple more quick things that I want to tell you about. Um, you know, it's interesting because the countries that seem to have had the worst uh, situations with this, well, we're, they're ones that have... Uh, Ties with communist China, Italy, Iran, South Korea, Japan. These are the people who are, seeing, who are most heavily affected. Italy, the most affected outside of China, was the first and only G7 nation to sign on to the PRC, People's Republic of China, Belt and Road Initiative, which was an attempt to prompt up Italy's uh, weak economy because they were trying to capture the Chinese market to sell their luxury goods in, you know, all the Louis Vuittons and those types of things, Versace, those types of things. And they also, as part of that, Italy signed scores of sister city agreements with China, with the cities of Milan, Venice, and Bergamo included among them, these are the hardest hit areas by the virus. Son of a gun. And let's remember that in January, early February, these areas also have large numbers of Chinese um, immigrants living there. And a lot of those people were leaving Italy to go to China to celebrate the Chinese New Year and then coming back. You think there's some dots there that we could connect? I think so. In the Middle East, Iran has seen the largest number of affections. And oddly there, it's among government officials. You know, that seems strange from the very beginning of this. Iran, and The Iranian regime has had a comprehensive strategic partnership with China since 2016. Its ties with Beijing began years before that you know, and of course this is in violation of the international sanctions, but Iran has imported embargoed materials from China while selling oil to the PRC, and Islamic flights allowed in and out of four major Chinese cities until the end of February. What a shock. Now they've got all of these people infected there. And again, it's here, um, Iranian authorities show deaths and confirmed cases trailing behind Italy's numbers, but in all reality, you got to wonder that we don't have some serious un- underreporting going on here. And so, uh, I mean, it's just very interesting, it's very disturbing that here the places, the hot spots from a world standpoint, they're the ones that are BFFs with China. And in fact, came across this. This is from uh, The Blaze just just earlier today. There's an Italian virologist who says that the political correctness of Italy has doomed the country's coronavirus response. He says that recently that concerns over politics and being perceived as racist delayed Rome's response to the deadly virus that originated in China. He said he told CNN... This is CNN reporting the Italian government failed by refusing to impose a wider and stricter lockdown earlier on, instead of the initial restrictions that focused on 11 areas Rome placed in a red zone. He believes that the politics delayed the government's reaction, which uh, he decried as lazy in the beginning, and said there were too many many politics in Italy. Too much game playing, no doubt. How bad it got is that um, Florence, the mayor of Florence, because he was so preoccupied with the perception of racism, he launched a hug a Chinese day shortly after our president and Italian minister Conte announced travel restrictions on China. We follow the directions of the health authorities, and we use caution, but no psychological terrorism, Mayor Dario Nardella said in a tweet announcing the initiative, while blasting those he said could not wait to use this excuse to hate and insult. Incidentally, Beijing welcomed Florence's Hug a Chinese Day project, and they promoted it through Communist Party mouthpieces. As of Saturday, over 53,578 Italians have tested po- positive for the CCPV the communist party chinese communist party virus something else too if all of this isn't disconcerting enough secretary of state mike pompeo is warning that a similar situations could unfold if we don't get to the bottom of this he says we have got to find out what the chinese communist party did with regard to covering up the whole situation the situation that now has the entire world in some crazy throes. And one last thing before we go to break here. There's another country that really is on the brink of having a serious problem. And this one, Texans. If you live in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, heads up. Mexico is dangerously unprepared for this inevitable virus outbreak. As much of the world goes into various stages of lockdown because of Wuhan, Mexico is in denial. This is from the Federalist, John Daniel Davidson over there. The government's response thus far has been to downplay the risk and carry on life as normal. Mexico officialdom has taken almost no steps to contain the virus or prepare for an outbreak, despite a warning last week from the deputy health minister that a widespread outbreak is inevitable and that community transmission could begin there in a matter of weeks. As of March 14th, there were 41 confirmed cases. I looked it up. As of March 22nd, they're at 251. Ask City of New York how quickly those numbers can rise. And so anyway, uh, Manuel Obrador is not doing anything. He has imposed no international restrictions You know, they are having to respond now that thankfully President Trump is putting the same shutdown on that border, except for essential uh, commerce, that um, that's happening. So what can they do? But meanwhile, they've had, oh, a couple weeks ago, they had a big Latino music festival in Mexico City. It was headlined by Guns N' Roses, and it drew more than 100,000 people over two days. The soccer league has refused to cancel matches. It is business as usual there. And testing is virtually non-existent. You also have along the border, you have these sprawling migrant camps housing thousands of people. On the south side of the Rio Grande, they're down across from places like um, Matamoros. And um, right across from Brownsville, Texas. There's uh, There's even volunteer groups that go and take food there.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: And they have now, some of them are even suspending their people going in because they are concerned about the virus, uh, virus issues. And one last thing, too, Judicial Watch. They're tracking, as of a couple weeks ago, one of those illegal immigrant caravans that's heading north from Central America. They're making their way, they're making their way, they left the uh, northern Honduran city of San Pedro Sula, making its way to Guatemala en route to southern Mexico, with the final destination being the U.S. As these people travel through these countries and this virus continues, the numbers of cases continue to grow, this is going to put a whole new level of threat with regard to Attempts to illegally enter our country. With that, I think we're going to take a break. I've kind of droned on long enough here, but there's a lot to catch up on. So please stand by. Remember, November 2020. What was it? Three weeks ago. That was like the hottest story we had to talk about. The presidential election. What happened to that? We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Luann Anderson with Political Pursuits. Please stand by, and we'll pick it up on the other side of the break. <laughs> Welcome back to Political Pursuits the podcast. I'm Ann Anderson, and it's so appreciate you being here with us. Before we get started, just want to remind you that we are available on the popular po- uh, platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, etc., etc. Also, please like, share us our Facebook page, which is political, which is at Political suits. Same for Twitter, at Political P Suits. And then if you got something you want to share with us, email us at politicalpursuitspod at gmail.com. A couple of things just coming across the wires here. Austin American Statesman is reporting that a shelter-in-place orders are being prepared for the city of Austin and for Travis County as a whole. And... On the international front, a member of the International Olympic Committee, Dick Pound, told USA Today that the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games are going to be postponed likely to 2021 with the details to be worked out in the next four weeks. So a couple of new things there, but. Right now, what I wanted to talk with you about is remember, oh, oh, this is important to tell you. We are, uh, I guess, have to wish a kind of unhappy birthday today. Time does fly. Can you believe that today is the 10th anniversary of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, aka Obama Care, being signed into law? And so anyway, that was 10 years ago today. Right now, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is based down in Austin, they do a lot of good work. Uh, they are representing the individual plaintiffs in the latest challenge to the ACA, which is before the Supreme Court now. And anyway, so we'll be watching that case to see what happens uh, Robert Hennecke, from there, he says, 10 years later, health care is more expensive than ever and less accessible than before, and yet health outcomes are no better. The federal government violated the U.S. Constitution when it commanded Americans to purchase health insurance they didn't want, and more so, this unconstitutional command now causes millions of Americans to lack access to health care due to exploding costs. And today, with the CCPV facing us, staring us down, uh this becomes even more a critical issue. And also, according to Texas Public Policy Foundation, despite the claims Republicans do have an alternative to the ACA, Uh, the plan isn't really a replacement of Obamacare. Rather, it fundamentally changes the structure of the health care system by pulling the federal government out and encouraging innovation at the state level. This is long overdue because Americans know the ACA hasn't lived up to its promises. Amen. And Godspeed in making that happen. All right, the election. A couple of things on that. First off, one of the things that I think with all this, this social distancing going on, that's going to change life. Not just, ne- not just now while we're in this major crisis mode. It's going to change life probably for many years to come. But in the meanwhile, one of the things we need to watch is that I have very big concerns that under the old Rahm Emanuel, never waste a good crisis, that this could be a time when with regard to the November 2020 election, it would be very, not, none surprising to see the Democrats start uh, advocating for mail-in ballots. That's really, really scary because That just opens the door to all sorts of corruption and bad acts going on. So that's just something to watch. Meanwhile, let's talk election. Dick Morris had a great uh, piece, I guess, at the end of last week, talking about how that there's no oxygen in the room for Joe. That this virus has just so dominated everything that Joe has just become kind of irrelevant. And... Don't be surprised that we see him start trying to, to overcome that. Also, I, I would just point out that I think that as we, this moves forward in however this campaign starts to unfold, we're going to see Biden as basically a virtual candidate, whereas President Trump will continue in a role that he is well-suited for, has much experience in, because he's going to be the reality president president he is the reality president he is in a reality campaign fighting this virus and his capacity for re-election is going to be completely tied to how he handles that to him rising to the um, the occasion Victor Davis Hansen, one of my favorite guys to to read and listen to I think he just um, has such great perspective and just puts things in these just plain spoken terms and um anyway he has a piece here recently in where was that uh town hall and he's talking about joe biden and just the the rise and fall of joe and how that as this went on everybody was counting joe out and then all of a sudden Joe's fortune started changing, not because Joe got smarter, not because Joe quit making gaffes, not because Joe did anything better. It was because the political landscape landscape changed. All of of his rivals dropped out. Bloomberg crashed and burned. He had uh, strategic geographical advantages with the southern and western primaries that Bernie was not able to... To do so well in so again, the things that changed were the circumstances, not the candidate himself and so Victor Davis Hansen he says that um, he thinks that Biden's going to have a threefold st- status going or strategy going forward. first of all, he's going to copy the Bloomberg Playbook to avoid campaign appearances as much as possible, instead relying on ads I, must, I would add well produced slick ads, endorsements, and the occasional short teleprompterated speech. Biden will also name administration officials in advance and use a dozen or so of them as surrogates and anti-Trump attack dogs on the campaign trail. The subtext will be that the abstract idea of Biden is preferable to the concrete reality of hearing him speak or seeing him in action. Again, the virtual candidate versus the reality president. Second. Biden's running mate, with a wink and a nod, will be sold as the likely future president sooner than later. Diversity candidates who did not run effective campaigns and dropped out of the race now have a chance to be revived as Biden's running mate, with a real shot to be president or at least to have a more influential role than past vice presidents. Such a running mate could help Biden win over the base, and he or she could solve the Democratic Party's embarrassing dilemma of damning white privilege, while ending up with two elderly white men as finalists in the for the nomination. So this is going to bring Klobuchar, Kamala, uh, even Warren, Stacey Abrams, or he might pluck some other governor. Uh, what's her name? Whitmer, Gret- Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan comes to mind. Of course, I'm sure Mayor Pete in his dreams will think he's on the short list. Beto gag. And um, even Julian Castro may resurrect some faint aspirations, anyway, for being on that VP list. And the third strategy of Biden is just that no one knows the tra- trajectory of the virus, but the economic damage it is inflicting on the economy is already considerable. Democratic strategists are demagoguing it in a way that seems analogous to the freak storm Katrina, which wrecked the second term of George W. Bush, Or the 2008 financial meltdown, which ruined the Republican brand and with it, the candidacy of John McCain. So in 2020, we will be hearing a lot from candidate Biden, but less likely will we be seeing him in person, speaking to or mixing with crowds. His running mate will be advertised as the future of the Democratic Party with the subtext of soon becoming president. That's going to be Joe's hope for taking the White House. We don't wish him success on that. All right, something else too. Um, this just was announced earlier um, earlier in the day. Biden's going to start holding shadow briefings on the coronavirus to contrast the tr- president. And, um, yeah, he's saying that he gave a preview of what's to come in a conference call with reporters oh, this past Friday, where he listed a litany of false and misleading statements from Trump, who has been holding regular White House press conferences concerning coronavirus preparedness and response that have been broadcast live on all major networks. This is Politico reporting. And he's saying, you know, the President Trump stops stop saying false things, will you? People are worried that they're really frightened— When these things don't come through, he just exacerbates their concerns. Stop stop saying false things you think make you sound like a hero and start putting the full weight of the federal government behind finding fast, safe, and effective treatments. So um, certainly there were people on the right who came out and were saying that this is nothing but, you know, An attempt to sow division, completely unhelpful. He isn't privy to any of the information the government has. He doesn't have to be accountable for anything he says he would hypothetically do. This is just heckling from the sidelines in a time of true crisis, writer James Hassan said. Um, Conservative commentator Stephen Miller asked, Really? Which health experts from the CDC will be appearing with him? And so anyway, the Trump campaign called the Biden's political politicization of this, just shameful, and in his rush to politicize the pandemic, Biden is recklessly spreading false information and sowing fear. So that is um, very unhelpful, extremely unhelpful. I think they're completely right on that. And uh, another another author that I I think a lot of, Roger Simon, you may know him from PJ Media. He was one of the co-founders of that. Uh, he had a, a piece out recently saying Biden is absolutely the wrong person to deal with China. He's got an interesting take. Understand, Simon is a Hollywood guy. He's he's like an Academy Award uh, nominated screenwriter, and he is based out there on the on the West Coast in the L.A. area, and so he's talking about Biden though that it's it's unlikely that the major global conflict of our time and for the foreseeable future is going to be. Communist China and the United States, and that Joe Biden is the last man who should be dealing with this. Okay, certainly we all know the stuff about Hunter Biden and getting the one point five billion dollars and the to go into his his investment fund and the you know things like that. But Simon bases a lot of his stuff on intellectual property, which he says is at the heart of opposing worldviews of China and the West. He says that intellectual property is at the heart of every aspect of the modern world, from Hollywood movies to the contents of a Huawei cell phone. In a sense, intellectual property is everything. After the pandemic dies down, this will be, if anything, more true. And that Biden has a questionable relationship to intellectual property and the law for a simple reason. He's a plagiarist, not once, but several times. He goes through and talks about how, you know, he first was was busted for plagiarizing when he was in law school, and in law school is where he was, and um, at Syracuse University College of Law, where he graduated in the lower 20% of his class, and in this case, it wasn't even like, oh, he just kind of lifted a sentence, or so he copied pages verbatim. And he said his professors were shocked, having never seen anything of the sort before in their law school. And so in order to not be tossed out of the school, young Joe wrote a pleading letter to the dean promising he'd never do it again. And guess what? He lied. Campaigning for president in 1988, he uh, picked up language and actions of the British Labor Party uh, MP Neil Kinnock, who was then running against Margaret Thatcher. And it goes on where he uh, mimicked entire portions of Kinnock's speech during an event at the Iowa State Fair. And he even, like, picked up some mannerisms. And so that was something else he did later acknowledge, that he, in fact, did have relatives who attended a college, which was one of the things he had claimed in this speech, because Kinnock, the originator of the this speech, had that situation, and so I guess he was also trying
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company. The only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com. And enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware. Manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: This person's this individual's life. So great guy. Simon kind of wraps it up saying plagiarism is different that, you know, this could be seen as another lying politician, but it's not that plagiarism is different. It's not mere braggadocio, the tooting of your own horn. That is the root of so much political lying. It's a form of theft. In Biden's case, it has overtones of the pathological. It indicates, at best, a casual attitude about the intellectual property of others. It is stealing other people's work, shoplifting from their brain. And while plagiarism could be construed as a form of flattery, it's actually an indication of disrespect, even contempt. Writers who have been plagiarized can justifiably feel they have been violated. And if we know that, guess what? we know this about Biden, then so do the Chinese people. And Simon uh, concludes, if you think this is the man you want negotiating with Xi Jinping, well, respectfully and obviously, we differ. So, interesting perspective there. And, yeah, we definitely do not need to see Joe Biden in there in that capacity. So... We're going to take another break and then we're going to come back and wrap it up and got a couple things to touch on. And we're going to talk about some of the good things in the news because down as everything is, concerning as everything is, and legitimately so, there are some positive things happening in the news. And we're going to take a look at that next. Stay with me, please. This is Political Pursuits. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Political Pursuits, the podcast. As we wind down today's show, just a couple more things I wanted to run through with you. Meanwhile, do remember that we are available on the popular platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're at Facebook and Twitter, under at Political P-Suits. And you can email us, at politicalpursuitspod at gmail.com. Okay, couple of, for all the negativity, we, there are some good things happening in the world. The American people, in many, many respects, are rising to the occasion. And even for as deeply divided as we've been over the last years, it's nice to see that perhaps people are star, or they're watching, they're paying attention, and even starting to reevaluate some of the views on this administration. For example, last month, the Harris poll had the president's approval rating at 46%. A new Harris poll that just came out at the end of last week now finds his approval rating at 53%. On the question of how Trump is handling the coronavirus emergency, 56% of Americans give the president a positive rating. Those saying they trust information from the White House is up to 61%. An ABC News poll finds similar results showing that 55% of Americans approve of Trump's handling of the virus crisis. So that's something that's that's turning and that people are starting to, even though a lot of the media, CNN, we won't, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, are still beating that same old sour, we hate Trump drum. I think that there's more of the public that's not buying it like they once were. So that doesn't mean that he still doesn't have a lot of things to do, and there's a lot of challenges that we're facing. The next couple of weeks probably are going to get worse in ways with some of these numbers than better, but it also does seem that we're on the cusp of being able to, to put some of this equipment, get some of these test kits get some of these drugs out into the public in the hot spot areas, especially where they need it. If we can mitigate the virus on the other side where it's not so bad and we want to keep it that way, then maybe we'll meet in the middle at a point in a few weeks and see that all of our efforts have come together to at least get this under some degree of control. And speaking of that, it's not just government who has for all intents and purposes, appears to be working 25 hours a day on this. There's a lot of stuff happening within the private sector. And God love the people in the companies that are doing some of these things. One of the most unsuspecting people that I would never have dreamed I would have these glowing remarks about is Mark Cuban. I remember Mark Cuban, when he came on my radar, probably back in the mid-'90s, I still lived in Dallas, and he was the brash kid that had just sold... Some tech company he had for, you know, a billion dollars and some change, which in 1995, 96, something like that, a billion dollars was a whole lot more than it is now. But anyway, he was just, he was kind of obnoxious, to tell you the truth. But over the years, he has matured nicely. He is a smart guy. There's never been any doubt about that. But I think he really has just grown very nicely into his role as a business leader and Somebody who's worth very much worth listening to. And here he's stepping up. Instead of leaving his hourly employees out to dry while the NBA goes on a, this 30-day hiatus, Cuban, he does own the Dallas Mavericks, remember, he is committed to paying scheduled event staff for the six home games that were supposed to take place. These staffers include the security police, parking attendants, housekeeping, in-arena entertainers, and more. He's paying the people on his staff during those games so that they're not going to be, at least to mitigate some of the damage of this. Now, what he's also doing is he says that we may ask them to go do some volunteer work in exchange. They're not there working, so there are lots of needs. So he's saying that um, he wants to use his goodwill that it can be used to pay for it in their Dallas community. And to top it off, Cuban announced he reimbursed both Dallas Maverick and Mark Cuban Company employees who purchased breakfast or lunch from locally owned independent restaurants. The idea is to help keep small businesses afloat amid the outbreak. I mean, that's just incredible, absolutely incredible. And in the grand scheme of things... His response is no doubt what we need. Instead of offering simple handouts, he's providing a model for entrepreneurs, for business owners, and yeah, even billionaires to pay it forward. And he also recognizes he's a savvy businessman. We also have to deal with the downstream effects of small businesses that don't have the balance sheets to maybe survive this. These are our customers, our fans, people who buy our tickets, and we want to be good citizens in the community. And he knows that his good faith actions are likely to pay off in terms of building loyalty among his employees, helping ticket sales in the long run. And so this is just a win-win situation. Also recently, he hosted a forum on LinkedIn where he took questions from small business owners from across the country and provided advice on how to weather the storm and avoid layoffs and hourly reductions. In one example of his exchange, he wrote, "Rather than focusing on how bad it is, focus on how you can use this time to connect with your future customers. This is also a good time to clear up all the little messes every small business has. Everyone has things they wish they could redo." And so, anyway, this was a session that he had there on LinkedIn. But the board, the discussion board, was so popular that they have now turned it into a platform where business owners can chat amongst each other, sharing their struggles and their creative solutions. To date, the forum has more than 6,400 comments and 112,000 likes. Every business we know, they can't afford to do, to, you know, follow in the footsteps of, of Cubans' generosity. But at the same time, at least they're, they're being given a model of what could be done and them being creative, them being innovated. This is the time when we now all have to give thought to what, what skills do we have, what resources do we have that could make a difference. I've always said God God gave us a brain, and we honor him when using it. I think that can happen us as individuals or for an individual working on behalf of a company. Use your brain. See what See what things that you might could do that the guy down the street couldn't do, while he's looking at what he can do that has, is different from the arsenal of capabilities that you would have. That's what Cuban is, is encouraging with people. And um, yay. Thank you, Mark Cuban. Way to go, Texas. But it doesn't end just there. We are seeing things across, across so many lines here. Um, Honeywell. 3M, they're starting to make more masks. They're expanding their N95 mask production. GM, Tesla, they're working on the ventilator short shortage. There's also um, some companies that are retrofitting ventilators or some type of device that's used in, in uh, surgery by anest- anesthesias um, for anesthesia. And there are some of those devices because nobody's doing any elective surgery certainly now. And so if those machines can be retrofitted, you know, those are the kinds of ideas we have to have. Yes, you can look at the glass as half empty. I vote that we look at it for half full and see how we can even add to that. Bears donated millions of the um, chloroquine tablets. We've got tech companies, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. They're stepping up and helping to do things. Google has built this website. Remember, it was announced, the president announced they were going to do that, and then all of a sudden, no, 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 we're not going to do that. I'm sure those Googlers were all getting their, you know, noses out of joint. But anyway, they have ended up helping to develop this website. Bill Gates on his own, under the guise of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they've been working on an at-home virus test kit that they're developing, or their foundation is developing. It was going to be made initially um, available there in the Seattle area. Got no problem with that. That's their, they're taking care of their neighborhood, their own backyard first. A lot of those people have been employees of theirs for over the years. So I have no problem with that. But the idea was to roll it out there and then it be able to go out nationwide. And I would guess probably even on a worldwide stand, um, from a worldwide standpoint. There's a distilleries that have banded together in Tennessee and, they're now making hand sanitizer. You got local companies doing stuff. Drive-in movies are now a big deal. People are going to the drive-in movies. All the the regular theaters are shut down as they need to be. And so drive-in movies are now actually coming into their own their own um, popularity. And I'm sure many of the people there that are going and doing this have never even been to a drive-in movie before then. Um, theaters, drive-in theaters that maybe once were just open on the weekends. Some of them are now staying open seven days, seven days a week. Here we go. This is money being, giving people an opportunity to put money back into the economy. They get a chance to kind of get their mind off of the craziness of things now. Plus, it's helping other people make a living. So that's wonderful. Restaurants are doing all sorts of, of wonderful things. There was a restaurant down in Miami that was supposed to be opening having some big grand opening sometime this week and obviously that's not going to happen well they had all this food on order so they've been preparing it and have invited all first responders hospital staff and people to come and eat on them and enjoy this food and at the same time say thank you to those people Churches are doing all sorts of stuff. I saw a church, um, I'm not even sure where it was, where they had their Sunday service this um, this past weekend, and the minister was standing up on a roof, and they had their band up there, and everybody was appropriately distanced, and they had mics and everything, and then the congregation was coming in their cars in the parking lot. They were all distanced appropriately, and there was some radio channel that they had set up so that the people could listen through the radio channel to the, uh, to the service. And so you're seeing a lot of things like that. Even individuals, I've seen individuals in an, you know, their own neighborhoods where they're doing kind of message board type things like Cuban did and helping to connect people within their neighborhoods. They're looking for people who have the capacity to go out and get items for people and deliver them to them. They're looking for people who have the need, who really can't get out and doing that. And so, I mean, these are all whether it's a Fortune 500 company or whether it's an individual. If you're on the receiving end of this, it's very special. It's very important. And um, I think it's I think it's just important that we keep giving giving credit to these types of efforts. And I want to share them with you because we all need to be thinking how can we. Become one of those people doing those things. So anyway, that's going to be it for today. We'll be back later this week, and um, I'm already there's some things I want to talk about later in the week. Uh, One of the big ones is that um, there's going to be some real long term changes in how we, as a society, function. Not just you know from a world standpoint, but also from an American standpoint. And there's some interesting perspective that's already out there about how the changes that are occurring right now as we speak will be seen for many years to come so we'll talk about that also this past weekend I saw The Hunt remember that that's the movie that got uh, put on hold a while back because it's uh, the storyline is that you've got liberal elites that are out uh, hunting kind of Trump type people well it's out on streaming and we saw it this past weekend so I'll share my thoughts on that with you Meanwhile, may God look after our country, our world, and may God watch over President Trump. To all of you, stay safe, stay smart, look out for your family, your friends, and your neighbors. Help somebody you don't know. Let's let our human decency shine. And with that, I look forward to seeing you next time here at Political Pursuits. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.